This is Birth Confidential with TJ. Thanks for checking out this episode of Birth Confidential. This is Kathy's story. Her husband had had a vasectomy, so she thought there was no way she could be pregnant. She even went to the doctor thinking that she had a mass or maybe a tumor or a cyst. And it turned out she was pregnant. Story's crazy. And please, if you like the podcast, rate it five stars or review it. I'd really appreciate it. Have a great day. Well, let's see. My stepson is four years younger than me. My stepdaughter is a year and a half older than me. So, yeah, I I mean, and I was in a relationship that I said, I just need, this is going too fast. I need six months. Let me just step back and let's readdress this. And then I met this short, fat, 42-year-old policeman. And (laughs) five months later, we were married. How did you meet? I'm terrible about getting up in the morning. I still am. I never do morning meetings if I can help it. So I had this friend who was a Chicago policeman who would call me every morning make me get out of bed and run water. So we knew I was actually out of bed. And he was leaving the Chicago Police Department and going out to Idaho to um, the DEA. He said, okay, I got a new guy to wake you up. And there it was. But when I first met him, he was married. And it, you know, and he's like, yeah, but it's not good. And I'm like, nope, don't do married men. Sorry. And a year later, I mean, he's still like every morning calling me to make sure I got out of bed. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh-huh. And a year later, he was like, okay, I'm divorced. I'm like, okay, this is good. Five months later after that, y'all got married? We did. Told my parents on Easter Sunday and we were married. I graduated from college the 13th of June and we got married the 26th. Aww. That was in June of 74. He died in April of 81. But it was seven, you know? If you can only have seven years, you should have seven years like that. They were great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And now I have a feisty 42-year-old. Is that your only child together? She's Yeah, yeah, it's my only child, period. Mm -hmm. And she is a a force to be reckoned with. (laughs) She says, people think I'm bitchy. I'm like, I've been telling you that for 30 years. Yeah. (laughs) They're right, you know? Okay, don't get mad at them. They're right. How old was she when he passed? 28 months. I was 28 years old. Uh, she was 28 months old. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a whole other world. It, it was, um, you know, not, yes, it was unexpected. He died of a massive heart attack. But, you know, you marry someone 21 years older than you, you know, probability is you're going to bury that person. Mm-hmm. And would we have stayed married? Who knows? I mean, I think it was would have been like my 15th wedding anniversary. My sister said to me, if Charlie was still alive, how long would you guys have been married? And I said, nine years. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been it. <laughs> all in all, it's fine. You know, it is. Yeah. So I guess probably you would have gotten pregnant pretty soon after the marriage, right? No. You can't do math no. that fast. No, we got married in June of 74. Now, backtrack a little. His first wife left him for another woman and he had a child with her and he adopted her child from a previous relationship. Then they got divorced. He married a woman who left him for another man. So we got married in June of 74 and then I was going back to school. I am a nurse by trade and I was going back in September of 81 and I I had, there was something wasn't right. 
Oh, by the way, he had a vasectomy 11 years before we were married. I forgot oh, to tell you that. Oh, my gosh. Big, I forgot that big part. Yeah, so you wouldn't a, even have thought that you were pregnant because no, he had a vasectomy. Exactly. And I really didn't want kids. As I say this, running a sports facility. <laughs> no, I mean, I was really happy with I was going back to school. I was going to get my bachelor's in nursing. Eventually, I'd get my doctorate. We'd move down to the Florida Keys, and our life would be wonderful. And how old were you? When I got pregnant with Alex, I was 20, 26. But so things just weren't right. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to just go see the doctor. I have this mass in my abdomen, and I know that that's not good. So how did you know that you had a mass? I could, could feel it. feel it? I could feel it. And it was getting bigger. Did you think you had a legit tumor? You had cancer? I knew I had a mass. I wasn't going to put a name on it. I really thought they were going to tell me I had like an ovarian cyst or something, and it was going to have to come out. It's like, okay, who am I going to go see? It's time for my annual, so I might as well just go see my OBGYN, right? And he looks at me, he goes, you're pregnant. And I'm like, no, I can't be pregnant. Charlie had his vasectomy, you know, 11 years ago, or at that point, it's 14 years, 15 years. And he's like, if I had a dollar for every vasectomy that didn't take, like, whoa, don't tell me this, you know. He's like, oh, yeah, it happens all the time. Now it doesn't with the new, you know, cutting and cauterizing and everything. So sure enough, he's like, you're pregnant. I'm like, I'm not pregnant. Well, it's August the 31st, 1978, 9.15 in the morning. I had worked the night shift the night before, inner city ER. So I know everything. I'm not pregnant. Come on, it's ridiculous. Are you still getting your period? Yes. Well, it's been intermittent, you know, I mean, but it was always sporadic, but I've always been overweight and, you know, so PCOS, all that crap. He's like, you're pregnant. And I'm like, I can't be pregnant. I'm not pregnant. He's like, okay, then what's this? And I can hear the heartbeat. And I said to him, I have, I have an aortic aneurysm. He's like, no, you idiot, you're pregnant. <laughs> I'm like, no, that has to be an aneurysm. Now he's a good friend of mine, you know, and I'm crying. Yeah. This is, this is not in my life plan. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And how far along are you at this point when he tells you? Yeah. She was born December 15th. <laughs> yeah, four and a half to five months. So then we have like no parameters to go off of, okay? Because I'm not regular. I have no idea when my last period was. It's like, you know, I was, I'm drinking. Yeah. I'm living my life. So we do a, uh, you know, the old measuring. And he's like, I'm thinking you're probably due the 12th of January. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have to get dressed. I have to walk out into a vehicle where my husband is waiting for me, who has had two previous wives cheat on him. And I get in the car and he says, you know, what did Norm say? And I started to cry. And I just, and I cried for three days. I started to cry. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm pregnant. And he starts to laugh. He's like, oh yeah, they cut me. They cauterized me. They keep me down. I'm like, really? Wow. Yeah. So, uh, but then it gets better because like, then we go to a friend's house because they knew where I was going to the doctor 
and we stop to see them and walk in and it's like, what'd the doctor say? And I start sobbing. They, of course, <laughs> think I'm terminally ill at this point. By 10 o'clock at night, the entire 8th District of the Chicago Police Department, which covers the South Side, knows. I'm driving to work and I have cops pulling up next to me going, way to go. <laughs> And I'm sobbing because this just wasn't in my life plan. Yeah, Yeah, I get that. So then we go on furlough. October to November, we go down to Florida every year. We had a place down in Florida Keys. And I had had like white coat syndrome. I'd go to the doctor and my blood pressure would be like 190 over 140. He'd be like, I'm going to have to hospitalize you. I'd be like, not happening. And then he'd leave and I'd calm down. We'd take my blood pressure to be normal. So we go to Florida and I have an appointment the day after we come back. We come back, I see him and he changes my due date to December 15th. Now you've taken a month away from me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I cannot even imagine what it's like to prepare for a baby in two months. It's like, no. Well, I think your baby's going to be born December the 15th. I'm like, good for you. I'm having this baby in January, okay? (laughs) Just so you know, this baby's coming January 12th or after. Yeah, she was born the morning of, or the night of December 15th. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coming home from work, my water broke in the car. Oh, gosh. Yeah, how to ruin cloth interior real quick. Oh, my God. I cannot even imagine. We're 1978, okay? There's no ultrasounds, or there's ultrasounds, but they're limited. You know, you don't think about these things now. You get an ultrasound at, what, 10 weeks now, 12 weeks? Yeah, I probably had four or five of them. Well, there's ultrasounds available at one hospital, but I'm delivering at a different hospital. We get to the hospital. Payless does not have this ultrasound. So we're going to do a pelvimetry, Hmm. which is a pelvic x-ray. You're nine months pregnant. You're laying on a metal cart, like a metal piece. So uncomfortable. You know, your water's Yeah. You know the feeling. Okay. Yeah. And they're like, let's just make sure it processes and we'll get you back to your room. Guy comes out, never forget his name, Roger Rodriguez. That was the radiologist's name. I see him in the next room. He puts up the x-ray, flips it on, and then I see two more people in white coats coming over to look at my x-ray. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Oh, gosh. Time out. yeah. Time out. What is going on? And he says to me, you know, I can't tell you what's going on. He says, but you have a big baby. I said, how big? He said, well, you know, I can't tell you that either. And I grabbed his coat. I'm like, I am a nurse. Tell me how big my baby is. Why can't they tell you? Because that's your doctor's responsibility to tell you. So now we're down in radiology. He's waiting for my OBGYN to tell me this. So they send me back to my room. But as we're leaving, I said to him, how big? He said, well, if I was a betting man, and I'm squeezing this man's hand, and I'm like, well, okay. He said, 10, 11 pounds? Oh, my gosh. Now the nurse mode kicks in because my water's broken. I'm not really having contractions. Got a big baby. Now it's going to be a C-section. I know this. So I'm okay with this. (laughs) Bring me that permit. You know, I mean, then it just became a series of things like the EKG was, my EKG was wacky. And they're doing it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, I said to my husband, they're going to want a cardiologist on this. He's like, why? I'm like, well, there's this happening. And I'm, I mean, I'm an ER nurse. I can read an x-ray. Yeah. Sure enough, the nurse comes back in. She's like, well, Dr. Norman would like you to see, would like the cardiologist to see you. I'm like, yeah, I figured. And he came in. He said, I think it's just the weight, the stress, 
and he said, I think you're fine for surgery. I said, aha, C-section. He's like, oh shit, no one told you? I'm like, no, no one told me, but I figured. So yeah, I, I had a C-section. She was only eight pounds, two ounces. My OB said to me the next morning, you know, how many years have I been telling you inside that fat body is a skinny one screaming to get out? Oh no. <laughs> Never know your doctor personally. They're brutal. <laughs> But I mean, just fun things like them telling me that I had general anesthesia, 1978. Yeah, because Um, they don't have epidurals back then, right? They were fairly new and I had no problem going under. Oh no, no problem at all. Um, But they told me, they said, you know what, when you wake up, we'll have your left arm will be on your chest. Take a look at your bracelet. If it's pink, it's a girl. If it's blue, it's a boy. I come to, it's green. All I see is green. Oh, no. I'm going, it's green. And she's going, no, it's pink. I'm like, it's green. Oh, my god! I don't do well with anesthesia. So, uh, yeah. So back then, they take the babies to the nursery if you're asleep until you wake up? Well, yeah. And then this was the beginning of lying in, you know, with keeping babies in your room. It's so interesting to me, like how women had babies when I was born. I wanted to talk to my mom about this too, but since her stroke, she probably couldn't remember the details and stuff of it. Oh, I don't think you ever forget those. Fair, probably. But it's so interesting to me, like the way that they do it now and with all the technology and stuff, even I was nervous about Things like, well, why wouldn't I get a, an ultrasound right before I have the baby to see if the cord's wrapped around her neck or, right. you know, and then people are afraid of epidurals because they're so new. I mean, even I was afraid to get a, an epidural. I'm like, I don't want to be paralyzed either. They, was, they were and just so cautious thing. about it. They're telling me this baby is 11 or 12 pounds. You know what? We need a different entrance into this world. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But when, at my doctor's office, I saw, I mean, I'm kind of a brat. So I threw a fit and was like, I'm only seeing a certain doctor, but in normal circumstances, at their clinic, you rotate doctors. And right. Whoever is on call that day is who your doctor is that delivers your baby, even if you've right. only seen them one time. So that's crazy to me that like one doctor couldn't tell you something and then one you have thing? to wait for your doctor to come and deliver the baby. And now, I mean, how many doctors are actually even delivering babies? Nurse practitioners yeah. are. Yeah. Midwives, nurse practitioners. Just like crazy things, like I bled unbelievably afterwards. Um, Did you have a blood transfusion? I had three. I did two. <laughs> Makes you feel pretty perky. <laughs> <doesn't it? laughs> um, yeah, I had had a catheter, and they had clamped the catheter, and I had kept telling them that something's wrong, and I kept saying I have to urinate. And they're like, No, you've got a catheter, and you just, you know, I'm like. I'm a grown woman. I know, you know, a very good friend of mine who was the ER doctor that I used to work with regularly. And like at midnight, they come in to tell me I'm getting a phone call and they're really aggravated. It's highly irregular, whatever. And it's him because he's working because we work midnights Yeah. and calls to congratulate me. And, and I just start to cry. And he's like, Kath, seriously, I'm like, I have to pee. He's like, well, don't you have, didn't you have a section? I said, yeah. I says, don't you have a catheter? I'm like, no one's listening to me. I have to pee. We hang up. He calls the nurses, the total jerk that he is all the time. Thank you. And they come in and, you know, like flip back the covers and go, see, you have a catheter shit. It's clamped. So, of course, 
my uterus isn't contracting. I'm oh bleeding. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I needed three units of blood. It had a reaction to the blood. So I didn't see her for like the first two days. Oh, did yeah. your husband get to see her at all? Yeah, different times. But she was in the nursery and they would bring him in, bring her in when he was there. You know, like now the guys just stay with you all the time. But it was interesting times. It really was. So would they have just automatically bottle fed her then so if you're like yes. unconscious and because I'm not breastfeeding I ended up with mastitis mm. and then I had gone antibiotics I mean it was just how we survived I don't know but we yeah. did I couldn't even nurse her even if I wanted to be when my complications all happened it was like they're like no we're just gonna try to keep you alive get that baby some formula <laughs> that's how yeah. my body was it was like that's not happening ever you have an autoimmune issue don't you yeah i'm sorry this is a psoriatic arthritis but i'm on a biologic medication and i think that had something to do with like the blood clot infamous sometimes those things just happen that's how i felt i'm like it's 0.0001 so now when people are like yeah but it's so rare i'm like hello rare things it's really not to me. I think there are so many things that should go into a blood panel, you know, just as part of a standard, just an annual, you know, yeah. for women from in childbearing years. Uh, my daughter has PCOS. I don't know what that is. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh. And she's infertile. Oh. She's done IVF two or three times. IUI. Oh, I mean, it, it's oh, just been heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. But we have Chase almost seven years ago. My son-in-law always goes to the Indy 500. Didn't mm -hmm. go that year because people he normally goes with were bringing their sons. At the time, he was still teaching. Goes to an end-of-the-year teacher meeting. Teacher says she's having IVF, but she better have one because that's all they want. And he says, have two. Alex, who's my daughter, is looking, we're looking to adopt. We'll adopt the second one. The next morning, he gets a text from one of the teachers who says, are you guys serious about adoption? And he said, yeah, we are. You know, we're looking into foster to adopt. And he said, well, my next door neighbor's 14-year-old daughter is pregnant and her birth plan fell through. And Chase was born June the 8th and June the 10th, they brought him home. Two and a half weeks. She's like, we can't do anything until the papers are signed. It's, it's hard. I, I mean, I think that infertility is probably one of the most hardest things to yeah. women to understand. I mean, our bodies are meant to have babies. Yeah, that's yeah. heartbreaking. It is, but it's all worked out. Well, that's a great story. I love it. My daughter and I are, you know, we're each other's best friends and worst enemies. I can tell you, if your mom calls you and leaves you a voice message, don't erase it. I have so many of them. Well, thank you so much. It was wonderful. Talk. I feel like I've known you. I really do. And uh, my best to everyone. Awesome. You take care. Time to go home. <laughs> to be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. 
Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.